4: What up with you, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from Radio Row at the Final Four. The Final Four. We're broadcasting live from the Tyrac.com studios. we will help you get their unmatched selection. Fast, free shipping, free road protection. Over 10000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. Um, I come from a weird family. What is weird? Uh, The two trips that my family would make every year revolved mostly around basketball. So I just, my late father, um, who was, uh, he was born in 1940, so he would have been 83 years old at this Final Four. Uh, He was a, he grew up in, uh, in the Bronx in New York, and then, when he was a teenager, they moved out to Long Island. He went to Syracuse for a year, and then went to Ohio State. He was a walk-on at Syracuse in the freshman team, and then a walk-on on the JV team and practiced with the varsity when they went to back-to-back Final Fours at Ohio State. Then he became a high school coach. Then he became a college coach. Then he became an AAU coach, and had a had a had a basketball, not just program, but academy. He was this was this was his personal Christmas, right? Personal Christmas. And we would go to the Final Four, and, and in the early days, we would alternate years. It was too expensive to bring both of us. And so for the most part, my brother went more early on in the, in the 80s. I, went, I remember 89 going in Seattle. I think that was my first one, so I was 13 years old. I went to Seattle. Michigan, Ramil Robinson made a free throw, made two free throws on a terrible Ted Valentine call. And the rest, as they say, is history. And Michigan, coached by Steve Fisher, who is an interim head coach, ends up getting the win and winning the title. Ironically, um, that Seton Hall team they beat in the finals was coached by P.J. Carlissimo, who I'll get a chance to work with and hang out with as um, he's the color analyst for Westwood One, and I do the studio work for Westwood One here on the, in the Final Four. But... Um, I've been to, I don't know, 25 of these things. And we've had some weird ones, right? We had the COVID year one where there was a limited number of fans. Uh, That was after the tournament was canceled. We had last year, we had Duke and North Carolina playing against each other in the semifinals. And it ended up being Mike Krzyzewski's last game. We've had good ones. We've had bad ones. But we've never had, uh, we never had like, below face value seats and this kind of weird Final Four which is like wait last year we had all of these behemoths and this year we got teams nobody thought would ever get to a Final Four and you got kind of three of them even though one's from the ACC and the champions of the ACC one's been a very consistent solid team in the Mountain West Conference the other one is has never really had much of a program. But it's weird, like, this is one of those things that everybody says that they want and that they love, and then yet when it presents itself, they don't really want it or love it, right? Because we think of ourselves as America loves the Cinderella. By the way, side note, is there any more disturbing story than Cinderella? Think about it. We, We call it a Cinderella story. Cinderella, her mom dies during childbirth, her dad remarries remarries an evil woman that upon time that the dad dies right so now she's technically an orphan the stepmom makes her live with a bunch of mice in a different area of the house and she's basically a servant to her stepsisters then when a prince comes around And falls in love with her because she sneaks out in her cover of darkness. She does everything in her power to not let the prince find his true love. Is there a more disturbing story than Cinderella? I think not. But that aside, everybody says they love a Cinderella. And yet, you can get a ticket for $40 to come see a Final Four. This will not be a highly rated Final Four, and yet games are exciting. It's just going to be—you know—you don't know, even the kids at Duke or at Kentucky or at North Carolina. Maybe you know a little bit more. For the most part, 80 percent of people don't watch college basketball in the regular season. I'm understanding of it. That watching the Final Four, it'll still be bet on, just not the same fervor of bets. The Final Four with with a Cinderella like Florida Atlantic a relative uh, newcomer to uh, the championship level in Miami and San Diego State. With those three programs involved, it won't be well attended by comparison to any other year, and it won't be crazily highly rated compared to any other year. And yet we're told America loves a Cinderella story. There's lots of things like that in life where you say you love them, You you say you love it, but you don't really love it. You know what this is like? This is like time off. Man, I just need some time off. I just need to get away. I just want to go on vacation. I like going on vacation. I like traveling. But I also love my own bed. You know? Oh, you go to resort. Yeah, but then there's resort food. And I, Ah, oh, I just want time away. But you know what? Part of the, the magic to work is it's not just the grind of whatever you do, but the interaction with human beings and the working relationship we have with people. And, oh, yeah, by the way, your job is going to continue to move forward whether you're there or not. Everybody says they want time off, and you take time off, and you're like, you know, I really want to get back to work. You know, I really want to get back to work. Summer is an example of that. Everybody says they love summer. But in about three quarters of this country, it's hot, humid, sticky. Frankly, you don't want to be outside during the day. You don't want to travel because everybody travels with their kids and things are twice as expensive. You know, places are are, are incredibly crowded. There's lots of things we say that we love. And then in reality, like, yeah, I kind of like the traditional way. I think that's what the NCAA tournament is like. We say we're tired of Alabama. We say we're tired of the SEC. And yet, when the SEC is on, people watch. When there's others on, generally, outside of Notre Dame and Texas and a couple other, Ohio State, we we don't watch. The same is true in college basketball. I don't like Calipari or Duke. I love to see Duke lose. We all celebrate when Duke loses. And that then you're like, man, kind of wish Duke or Kentucky or Kansas were in this thing. I'd sure pay more attention.
1: This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Terms and conditions apply.
4: Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're doing well. Doug Gottlieb Show is broadcasting live from Radio Row. Site of the Final Four. The Tire studios. Tire We'll help you get there. Unmatched selection. Fast, free shipping. Over 10,000 recommended installers. Tire The way tire buying should be. So, it's one day in. One day in. By the way, with Major League Baseball, you got games yesterday and only five games today. And then the Final Four tomorrow. I don't... Does anybody understand why they're doing what they're doing? is still kind of searching, but I will say this. As much as it feels weird, right? You had like five times the number of stolen bases yesterday as you had last year during uh, during opening day. As much as it feels weird, feels strange to watch baseball being played so differently, a, a pitch clock, as well as a, a time limit in which the batter has to be in the box, all of these things done, like, the truth is we've seen these evolutions take place in other sports. I remember hockey? Hockey went through a phase where they didn't want fighting, and then they changed to, what, four-on-four four in the in the overtime periods. Once they started, they started changing things to increase scoring, to shorten the length of the game. Obviously, the NBA, from the hand checking, you go back over a decade ago when they took hand checking, tried to take hand checking away. The process of doing it, remember, there were so many fouls called time and time again. But eventually, they got to that place. And in football, you probably have to go back 15 years ago when they've they've taken away any sort of, you know, contact more than five yards down the field. It's since kind of regress some and it's a lot more physical but the other change in football right college football you can go three yards down the field with rpos and with the nfl it's like a yard to a yard and a half and because of it it's really hard to read what a team's doing passing or running based upon the blocking scheme all of these things were done with an emphasis of offense in mind and that's when it was done in baseball in addition to which, they wanted to speed up the pace of play to shorten the length of the game. And I get it. Uh, Jason Stewart's like, wait a second, that, that's counterintuitive, right? That you want to increase scoring in offense, and yet you want to shorten the length of the game. I don't necessarily know. Some of the games were short yesterday. I don't know if it's, it's short in the length of the game, but it's got to be more exciting. And if it's shorter in the process, even better. And so far, so good. We're one day in. We don't need a large sample size to tell us exact details of how much shorter it is. But it is faster moving. It is shorter. It is more exciting. It is a win, at least for offense. And as much as many of us know, champion defense does, in fact, win championships. Offense gets more eyes. I don't know if it's too late for baseball. I don't know if we're so, we're so dyed in the wool, hey, baseball is boring. It's the past time. We're over it. I don't know if that's the case, but you have to at least try to change that narrative and that's what they're doing. You have to at least try. Uh, Jay Stu, how much baseball did you actually watch yesterday?
5: Um, I watched the whole Dodger game and I caught a lot of the highlights, uh, that Hunter Renfro catch and the like. Um, And what I did see was uh, a faster pace. It was impressive that all the players are, are adhering to this. I think um, maybe Devers of the Red Sox, he became the first player to ever be caught out on strikes because he didn't adhere to the the clock. But And that's going to happen, you know, a couple things here and there. But um, as a traditionalist, as a guy who loves baseball, I like the effort to make it look like they're hurrying up and they're, they're trying to get somewhere. I don't know if it's going to shorten the length of games. I think there's a lot of hung up on that. But... The, the, I guess the image that there's urgency is, is a good thing. And I'm all about stuff that makes the game more digestible and thriving and all that. So uh, I give uh, opening day and the new rules a thumbs up, Doug.
4: Um, all right, Dan Byer, how much baseball did you watch last night? Uh, very little. Uh, last night, zero. Uh,
6: nada. Um, absolutely none. Um, but that's just me.
4: Did you watch that Bucks beatdown? <laughs> That's a whole other story. Um, no, it's same story. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. It, I mean, we can, we can, because I I, I, I got home and I was like, I, I flipped on. I was like, you know what? I want to do a better job of watch of of being a little bit more into baseball. Like, I'm into these new rules. I'm into it. I, I, I think maybe there's a chance that the Angels have a decent season if they can keep Shohei and Trout healthy. Like, who knows? So I start watching a little bit, and then I flip over, and. I don't remember. It was I was in the first half. I was like, holy cow, this thing's out of control. What's going on? Well, yeah. maybe well, Giannis and those guys aren't playing. They were all playing, and they're getting beat by 40. I,
6: yeah, I, I got a couple of things to say about baseball. And in full okay, disclosure, sorry, no, my garage door, I came home. It was, like, shaped in a trapezoid last night. So that was a good <laughs> good three hours of, of my evening last night. I ended up watching the replay of the Bucks massacre. But Major League Baseball sent out this tweet within the last hour. Talking about opening day, uh, presented by Chevrolet, uh, registered the most watched day in MLB.tv history by 42%. So that was above the previous high. They also said that they had the largest online merchandise sales uh, in opening day history by 10%. And then the social media views were up 83% from a year ago. Feels like they're very cherry picking a lot of numbers, but trying to prove how great opening day was. Here's my issue with it, mm-hmm. and I think that you got to look at even what what NASCAR tries to do a little. They're similar in the fact they've got very long seasons, and their Super Bowls at the start of the year. Like that's the, their biggest day is opening day, Daytona. Same thing. It's the five games today thing, and I, I know why they do it. They do it because. The, as you mentioned yesterday, Doug, the weather is so crappy in certain places that they need the flexibility to be like, okay, if this team is in town and they can't play on Thursday, then they need to play on Friday. Well, they need to then figure out a schedule for opening day that makes sure that you, you pretty much get every game in. And so to, to not capitalize, like, you know, coming in today, I thought, oh, there's going to be a full slate
4: of day baseball. Correct. I thought the same thing.
6: Make it a full weekend. May, you know, like, grab this weekend for what it is, because all you did is you just took a random Thursday, and again, as we said in March, it's, not even, it's, not, it's the end of the week. Like, it's not even like a fresh start beginning. It's just their intentions are, you know, are, are real. But to, like, to play it out how they have to, you're going to have to risk it. You know, make this a full weekend celebration of the opening of baseball.
4: Well, like, 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 look at the games today, right? Tell me what they all have in common. Miami, Houston, San Diego, L.A., Seattle. Those are all the home teams, Yep. right? So they scheduled all of those games will go off, right? Yes. They just will. Seattle's got a roof. Yep. Yeah. So Seattle's got a roof. Miami's got a roof. Houston's got a roof. Okay? And then San Diego and, and L.A., the chances of a rainout are very, very slim. Although, with this winter, who actually knows? Sure. Right? Who, who, who who knows? Um, I, and my proposal yesterday was, like, this is not that hard. Okay, so you have those five. You have Texas has a roof. I don't know why Oakland got rewarded with a with a series, you know. Like, I, but whatever. Like the Angels should be playing at home as well as Oakland, right? The likelihood of uh, of rain. Either you have a roof, or you're in predominantly a warm weather city, or you don't get to host a game. And that way, you have all the games, and it's completely loaded up. And it's a celebration of the sport. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. They do, they do really good things. By the way, the whole digital presence being, part of it is they've always had, you know, they've never had great social media views. I'm sure part of it is it's much easier and more people are shopping online than ever and more people are watching MLB.TV than ever, right? Because of some new streaming deals and some new avenues of it and it increases the number. So I'm, I'm not saying that the reality isn't that more people are watched. I think gambling, being legalized in so many states has something to do with it. But I also think that, like, yeah, it's like, well, we got more votes than ever. There's more people voting. Yeah, ever. you had more games, more teams.
6: Everybody played yesterday. And that's like the problem, like, like even in NASCAR, you've got your duels on Thursday, and then you know you got your other races leading up on Friday and Saturday. But like, there's you know it's it's still kind of an event, and while maybe not the full public is locked in on it, um, it still is is more than just a one-off day. And that's what it felt like. Like I, you know, I encourage the effort of trying to make opening day even bigger than you know, what it normally is, and I think they did that. I just think that they completely dropped the ball. Like, there's no, po- there's no reason why the Diamondbacks, Doug, should be playing in L.A. None. They can host their
4: own game. They, they can host their own game. Yep. I, like I said, warm weather and you ha- or you have a dome or both, you get to host a game and then you have a full slate. So this is not that hard. And now
6: with interleague play being as prevalent as it is, with the you schedule, can schedule whoever you want. Yeah, all teams play each other this year, so there's not even that. Like, well, we've got this. I mean, yeah, you can go around and you can find. I think you could find 15 ballparks and figure out a way, and then just make it a make it a full weekend. And then for those road teams you know maybe then next weekend is their celebration cuz it's their home opener but it just I, seemed like such I, a I, letdown I, today
4: yeah i even i even think i even think th- those time, i just like look the first couple series you know until we get to mid april that's what we're going to be doing And that's what you get for not building a dome in your home park. And maybe you end up benefiting more from it because more people are coming to see baseball games
1: then. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
4: Doug Olive Show, Fox Sports Radio. It's brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save. Progressive.com. So, um, the Angels swung and missed a bunch last night. Uh, this despite the fact that uh, I believe there had never been a pitcher in Major League Baseball history... To strike out 10, not allow a run, and still take an L on opening day. Had never happened until last night because the Angels. The Angels. But forget about on the field, off the field. As the Angels were walking off the field, there's a video of Anthony Rendon grabbing the T-shirt of a fan and pulling him kind of over the railing. and, And here's what it sounded like. To go with the video. So Rendon grabs this dude by the by the collar, says, "You called me the b-word." The guy says, or his buddy says, "No, no, he didn't." Calm down, and he takes a swipe at him. Swipe at him. Um. I would say I would say this, uh, in in all candor, in all candor, I think that uh, Rendon is going to be suspended for a long period of time. Like just things you can't do, right? You can't, and and I will actually commend Russell Westbrook. Now I know the game is over, so you can't do it, but Russell Westbrook has taken to this like, in, and. For the most part, he's not nearly as confrontational about it as he used to be. But just pointing out the dude in the crowd and getting him ejected. That's the only way you can handle it. Only way you can handle it. Only possible way you can handle it. I think it's... Fascinating to see what Major League Baseball does, and I, I, again, like part of you doesn't blame an athlete. Like how many times you're going to be called a name? How many times you're going to be treated poorly? There's a There's a Bill Burr bit on the Malice at the Palace. Hey, there's a Bill There's a a Bill Burr Malice at the Palace, and he says like, Hey, people have been saying for years. Come up here, come up here, tough guy. Well, they did, and with one punch, they're knocking out rows of people. Which is what would happen if Anthony Rendon was on the equal ground. But you can't do it. You can't do it. Am I, am I, am I wrong, Jace? Too.
5: No, you can't do it. I mean. Um... I just looked this up, and i am uh, you might think I'm joking. He's making 30 million, $38 million this year. $38 million. So, if you do a quick math, and the time it took to have that 10-second exchange with the fan, I think he made $15,000. Um, as part of that salary, and as part of, of representing a, a pro franchise, uh, learning to ignore people is a part of your job we've seen athletes do this for years and years they're great at it they're amazing at it you could, you could, you could scream at a guy 5 feet away and he acts like he doesn't hear you and that's a part of their skill set um, if anything Rendon deserves to get heckled for his production given that salary I don't know what the fans said to him but you never put your hand on a fan
4: you just never do it what do you think happens? Dan Byer, what do you think happens to Anthony Rendon? Right yeah, there? I think
6: that there will be a suspension. I, I, I do. Um, I, I don't know how se- severe. Doug, I don't know, ten or twenty. I don't think it'll be an eighty gamer, um, but um, I think that you could see something. And I don't know if there's anything in the, in the CBA that you know outlines what that penalty could be. But um, I do think you know ten or twenty games would would be significant. The the surprise, a couple of surprising things about it. Um, First, that there was an A's fan at the game, and number two, (laughs) that there was another one to actually film it. So that was that was I mean that was completely shocking. That's an upset. That's it's it is opening day though. It's opening day. (laughs) It is. But the other thing, where the Angels players that walked by, like no one said, "Hey, hey, Tony, Anthony, you can't, you know, get away." Like, like Trout walked by. Whoa, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, Trout walked by. by. Yeah. And like then it was then somebody finally kind of
4: intervened, but yeah, very weird situation. Um, okay, let's let's uh, let's get to JP Morosi. John Paul Morosi joins us, of course, MLB Network, and then we'll be on Fox. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, JP, I know you haven't seen the video, um, but. Uh, you, you want to take a second and check it out on, on your phone, on Twitter. It's it's going to go viral and be everywhere. Basically, Anthony Rendon is walking into the locker room, or it looks like he's walking into the dugout, and he's talking to um, uh, a, a, a A's fan who knew they actually existed, right? An A's fan, and he grabs him by the T-shirt. This is what he says.
6: Down.
4: So he says he called him. You called me a b-word, and then as he releases him, he kind of takes a swipe at him and misses.
7: Well, uh, as, as you mentioned, this is uh, the first uh, the first that I'm hearing about it here in the last couple of minutes. I mean, what I would say is this: any any circumstance in which there's a an altercation between a player and a fan has to be looked at. Thoroughly by by the league, by the union, obviously uh, the, the security personnel at the stadium. So I'm sure that in relatively short order, uh, we have seen in, in the past where there's an issue of any sort of confrontation, whether it be physical or verbal between a player and a fan, that is of the the utmost concern of the sport. And I think all I can say is that there's going to be, based on the review of this information and in the video a lot looked at by the relevant parties again team acknowledging that the the angels in this case are the road team that'd be the angels and their security personnel the a's the home ballpark the league uh, I, i'm sure that this is going to be uh swiftly looked at and addressed and and obviously i think we have to get all the information uh collected in terms of what exactly was said that precipitated the altercation i think that is going to be one of the more paramount things That occurs here in the review of the
8: incident.
4: Um, What are the expectations for Shohei Ohtani with this season in regards to what the Angels are going to do with him?
7: Great question. I, and I think that obviously uh, his performance last night again <laughs> illustrates that we're talking about one of the most unique talents in the history of pro sports. I, I, I do think that it's going to be a real challenge still for them to sign him long term. I believe that um, for the entire offseason and that really nothing has changed at this point to to increase their chances of signing him, if anything, the, the world has been reminded of what he does through the World Baseball Classic, through the marketing of what he can perform on the field, that this is truly one of the most unique talents in the history of pro sports. And so at this point in time, every game the Angels play – is is one more data point in terms of what it's going to take to sign him long term. I, I, I don't know that, that anything that's going to happen in the course of the season that's going to change that other than the Angels winning a bunch of games. I think Otani, at the end of the day, is going to have his pick of where he wants to play based on the environment in which he's got the best chance to win for the next decade. He's going to be able to take his pick based on based on the sheer value that he brings and the amount of teams that are interested in him. I, I believe Doug, and I've said it before, his total guarantee is going to begin with a four as in $400 million plus. That's where I see this market going and the Angels, they've got their chance to take their at-bat by putting together the most successful and, and most competitive regular season and potentially playoffs that they could do before he becomes a free agent.
4: Um, so it doesn't come down to the number?
7: It does. I, I mean, I, I think it, it does. But what I'm saying to you, Doug, is that every everyone is going to be in the same range to the point that, much like Aaron Judge, we spoke, we spent a lot of time talking about what Aaron Judge's market was going to be at the end of the day. The Giants offered him uh, $360 million, and the Yankees said, okay, we'll match it. I mean, my, my point is that anybody that wants to sign Otani at the end of the day is gonna be within the same general range of where the money is. And then it's just it's gonna be a matter of the, the winning part, the ancillary marketing parts. Uh, certainly, there there will be a financial component. That's going to be the the obvious part of it. I mean, that that's the, the that's the ante just to get into the room. My point is that I don't think the Angels are going to be able to to get into the conversation unless they're at a certain number and and the the environment around this extraordinary player. That's going to bring in teams like the Dodgers, like the Giants, like the Padres. I think all of those elements are going to just dictate where the market goes and. Certainly, he'll be able to take his pick, Doug, in my opinion, of, of these record-setting deals that will be offered to him.
4: Right. So so do the the Angels, you know, before the trade deadline say, hey, we're going to offer you everything right now, or then they have to trade him?
7: great question and I think that they it probably depends a bit on where they're at from a standpoint of a couple things number one how close are they to being competitive Uh, how does the first half go how does their ballpark future go Uh, we've obviously seen uh, owner Artie Moreno put them up for sale and then not so how secure does he feel in the long-term direction of the franchise there's a lot of variables that, candidly, we don't know right now, but I, I, I do think that we will see uh, the, at least the first half of this year, by by keeping them in the fold for at least the beginning of the year, Doug, it allows the Angels to have one more year of marketing, one more year of sponsorships. Those are those are significant revenue streams that are part of, of the Angels' business model right now, and I, I, I do think that, that, that it's going to be difficult for them to move on in the middle of a year, but I I do think clarity on on where the direction of the franchise is going will at least create the environment to where you could imagine a potential windfall of prospects that could arrive in the late days of July if they are out of the race, but certainly uh, I I would imagine right now at Angel Stadium, their first choice is is to remain a very competitive team and at least make one last effort with Otani in the fold at making and advancing in the playoffs.
4: John Paul Morosi joining us. He works for the MLB Network. He works for us here on Fox Sports Radio and, of course, the MLB on Fox covering the playoffs and the World Series. He joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Stolen base comparison last year year opening day. Okay, Five stolen bases, four times caught stealing, 56% success rate. Yesterday alone, 21 stolen base attempts. 19 were successful. Only two were caught stealing. 91% success rate what's changed
7: well it's a couple things number one the bases are bigger but the, the other issue is just the the limit now of two as they're called disengagements per plate appearance from the pitcher's perspective so uh, with a runner at first you can only step off or throw over or disengage the rubber a maximum of twice and if you can't uh, on the third attempt get him at first base he automatically is awarded second base, uh, as, as if it's a balk or a sort of an automatic steal. If, if you cannot get him out on a pickoff throw, with the third disengagement. I, I think it's it's incentivizing players to steal. It's it's helping uh, if it's a bang bang play at second base in the past. Now that you have a little more of of a lead based on the bigger bases, I, I think it's it's changing the game, Doug. And and to me, it's putting a, a real premium on a catcher who can throw. Pitchers who can hold the runners at first base with a a good slide step uh, or just uh, overall an athletic way of of, uh, either throwing over or just being able to deliver the ball to home plate, it's really changing the way that teams look at run prevention. And and on the flip side, offensively – if you're a team that can run the bases well, the Blue Jays are one example. You've got Kevin Kiermeyer now in there, uh, Whit Merrifield and others. Uh, it's going to really make you a, a dangerous team. The Padres are one more team that I think will run the very well. I, I'm very excited, Doug, about the way this is going to play out here in the long term.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, like, look, I, I know it's just early returns, but seeing positives on the rule changes, what about inside the game of baseball?
7: I think a lot of positivity there too. I, obviously, yesterday uh, there were maybe some issues that you saw with the Mets on on their uh, their issue where where Jeff McNeil was assessed to strike because Pete Alonso was was taking his time getting back to first base. That maybe wasn't necessarily the best received uh, micro moment uh, in the midst of opening day. But and you're seeing some some strike uh, some strike assessments based on pitch timer violations. That's going to be part of the initial rollout. So there will be isolated moments where players or or managers are not entirely satisfied, but this is the rule. This is the new reality, and I really believe, based on the instructions of what we've seen from the minor leagues in years past, at least last year, that there will be violations for a period of a few weeks, but I, I promise you, Doug, by the time we get to May and June, this will become less of a story, and the best pitchers, the best players in the world are going to adjust, and I I think we'll see pitchers like Garrett Cole yesterday have historic performances because they are in rhythm, in tempo, very athletic, and I think the best versions of themselves are going to be shown now, I think, to the world. So I think, by and large, players like it, and they also realize that this is game one of 162, and this change, this modification is here to stay
4: fabulous stuff and really interesting time in the sport of baseball. John Palmarosi joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Um, quick on the Dodgers because if I don't ask, then these guys will be just upset at me, right? Uh, <laughs> doesn't feel like they did anything to their bullpen. What, what's what's their closer situation going to look like when it actually gets important?
7: Well, then that's a very good point. I, I think that for them it's going to have to be a, a matter of, of depth and probably situationally uh, guided for Dave Roberts and, and his bullpen. This is a team that obviously Kenley Jansen isn't there anymore. The the, the Kimberl was there for, for a year, and then that uh, that experiment certainly is, is over as well. They need to rely on matchups, whether it's Phillips having different situations and different opportunities there. Do they have different starting pitchers getting uh, thrust into more of a swing role based on things, obviously Pepeo being on the injured list in addition to Walker Already being there is not ideal for them. So I think the Dodgers they've got to work through a lot of different possibilities. And remember, of course, one one rule change that still exists is the three batter minimum. So I I am a little bit skeptical, Doug, about the Dodgers chances to win the division this year for a variety of reasons. The bullpen's one of them. That's why I've got the Padres winning the National League here in 2023.
4: It's Doug Gottlieb's show here on Fox Sports Radio. John Paul Morosi joining us. Uh, and and all of a sudden, like strike a, a stake into the heart of John Ramos and Jason Stewart, uh, Sorry, talking guys. about. <laughs> hey, listen. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Daniel Jeremiah probably loves it. He's listening. Uh, he's listening. I'm sure. Um, okay. What what about the Yankees? Um, we saw Aaron Judge hit another home run. What what what's different about the Yankees this year from last year that allowed them to take the next step?
7: I think health of D.J. LeMahieu is a huge story. He is one of their more versatile players. And having him back healthy, he was in the opening day lineup yesterday. I was there at Yankee Stadium. Uh, I think having D.J. there and healthy is a tremendously important uh, detail and development for the Yankees. Uh, Their rotation, obviously not having Carlos Rodon healthy at the beginning of the year is difficult. I think that there are still some, some pitching injuries for them to work through. Frankie Montas as well. But in general, I I think it's a more athletic version of their everyday lineup. I think getting Anthony Volpe there is a game changer. He had, a, I thought, a very impressive debut yesterday. Born to be a Yankee, the son of two Yankee fans who met in medical school, went on dates to the old stadium. It's it's a storybook beginning for Volpe. And I do think that having Volpe's athleticism and youth is really important for them. And, And, Judge, to your point, First inning, first plate appearance of the year, home run on the second pitch. As Aaron Boone said to him when he got to the dugout, really? Really? So uh, he's able to continue doing it again. And I think overall there's a team that has a much more consistent, better bullpen than what the Dodgers have. The the Dodgers worry me. The Yankees, I think, having Clay Holmes there, uh, having Peralta there, Luizaga, I I really like the way that the, the, the Yankees' bullpen is bouncing out now right and left.
4: Awesome stuff, JP. It's only one day in, but baseball is, uh, is better this year. It's more exciting, more watchable. Love talking with you. Thanks so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
7: Thanks, Doug. I appreciate it. Enjoy the final four this weekend, my friend. Uh, look forward to our many conversations over um, the course of the year.
4: Uh, John Paul, did, did you see the news that just passed on, on Twitter?
7: Uh, no.
4: <laughs> your bas- your college basketball team of choice is who?
7: Well, Michigan.
4: Hunter Dickinson in the portal.
7: Wow, now that's a surprise. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get this information from you, Doug, about his career, wh- why he didn't go to the NBA earlier, and and what sort of happened. Because he's not because, is, he's not.
4: because he's not. Because he's not really. He doesn't really. He's not Profile. a pro big guy. Now he yeah. could. He could make himself in like the right team, and like he's got to become a guy who can shoot threes consistently. Wow. Consistently right. shoot threes. And then defensively, he just got to be a little bit more solid. But this is what, what guys do where they're uh, – it's like Oscar Shibwe, where We're like, look, he's not really an NBA big guy. So, you got to – you know, the idea is you got to capitalize wow. as much as you can in your college career. I just would think – you know, and I don't know how Michigan fans will feel about it, but usually when you leave your school, you're out. So, all the sweat equity of four years – you're not a, really a part of Michigan lore in the future, and then wherever you go, it's not like that's your alma mater because you're only there for six, nine months.
7: Right. No, it's, it's a fascinating conversation about the state of college sports. I, I, I would say this, though. At the end of the day, it's, it's up to you as a program to develop your players the best that you can and, and give them reasons to stay. And, and obviously there wasn't enough there for Hunter in this case and and uh, wow it's it's both surprising but you also felt like Doug that he sort of plateaued a bit for a while and now he has to go somewhere else to, to have that last finishing touch for his development I wonder if you could if you could think about this if, you, if you're him what type of system what team what program best fits his game that could help him get to the next level do you think?
4: I think there's a lot of programs, you know, and, and but it's got to be one where he gets. To, I, I don't know why it's not Michigan, other than they they didn't have a point guard this year because Welling got hurt, you know. But there there's a, a lot of developmental programs. You got to go one with a with a, you know. The, the 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 big thing is you can't chase after the check. Got to go to the right school and then right. You know, and then get a some sort some level of NIL. Uh, Some of it, though, you're just based upon your body type and skill set. It's just not going to happen. He'll play overseas forever if he wants to. He really will. JP, we got to run. I I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Doug. All the best. Thank you. I want to welcome in Bernie Fratto. He's listening to the show. He's a good friend of the program. You also hear him on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. And, Bernie, you were at the Malice at the Palace covering the game, and you have some thoughts on Rendon last night. Share them with us.
8: Yeah, I'll set this up quickly. Obviously, the malice at the palace has become the benchmark poster child for all fan melees. Pistons down 15 with 45 seconds. We're doing a remote from the lobby. We were taking our final break at 10.50. I walked in at precisely that moment. Ron Artest, our test for no reason. Fouls Ben Wallace very vigorously from behind. Wallace in shoves our test. He flies around like a whirling dervish and lays on the, on the scorer's table. Precisely that moment, an empty beer cup comes flying out of the stands from a guy named John Green, who became a household name. It lands on our test. Our test and a couple players go up into the stands, somebody erroneously points out John Green is the wrong guy, and everything went from there, and you all saw what happened. The video tells a story. Fortunately, no one was really hurt, and the larger point, though, to be taken away is it completely set back the Indiana Pacers franchise because of bad judgment for probably 15 years, and I don't know if they've ever really recovered, so in addition to fan safety, it became a real debacle for the franchise and Rick Carlisle, and they just simply never recovered.
4: What do you think happens with Rendon? I think the commissioner is going to take
8: a hard look at this, and I think he's going to get minimum 20 games and a substantial fine because the precedent has to be set. The law is a teacher, and we know these incidents happen all the time. Most of the time they go unnoticed, but there's never you know, an attempt at physical contact. That's the flashpoint here. It's one thing for a guy to bark back. We know a lot of baseball players got rabbit ears. So do NBA players. But you don't see anybody putting their hands or attempting to put their hands on somebody. I think that's the flashpoint here, and he's going to get at least 20 games.
4: Bernie, you're the best, man. Look forward to hearing this weekend. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. All right, that's my guy, Bernie Frato, out in Vegas. Of course, you have been doing this forever. You hear him on weekends on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary.
0: We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.